Well, welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton FC podcast. And joining you, as ever, is me, Greg O'Keefe, and my colleague, Paddy Boyland, from across the city. We're going to be discussing in this episode his deep dive today on Luca Dean, the sort of making of Luca Dean, the, the player that we've seen the two scenes now at Goodison Park make the left back berth his own. And later on in the episode, the Athletics UK Football Awards on Sunday night, we'll be talking about the Everton nominations for that. First things first, afternoon, Pad. How are you doing, mate? I'm, I was just I was saying off off air. Um, maybe maybe I'll say this again for the benefit of the listeners. I, I'm good, but if you told me <laughs> that it was if you told me it was Tuesday or Monday, we're recording this on on Thursday. But if you told me it was Tuesday or Monday, I, I would believe you. Such is the level of delirium in in the Boyland household. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I've probably I've probably been better, but I've probably been worse as well. <laughs> I can, uh, I think, I can, I can certainly empathise with that. No doubt it will. And one thing I did manage to do this morning, which was quite uh, productive, was actually um, sit with the with the app and just read a few of uh, the pieces yeah. that our, our colleagues have done. And you know, it, it's um, in the pace of life when we're not in lockdown. Sometimes we're just focusing so much on our own stuff, we don't have time. That supplementary yeah. time to read some of what our colleagues are doing, and it, it really is fantastic. You know, the football season's on hold, but the Athletics still got four really the best sports writers in the business, and you know, they're hard at work trying to tell the kind of unique and informative stories. Um, and look, the Athletic can keep you connected to your team and the sport you love. Um, and it's worth mentioning that now, if you sign up, you can get a ninety-day free trial, which is um, it's a brilliant offer. I know a lot of people, sort of mates of kind of been a bit um and ah about whether or not that's something they want to do at the moment with all the other sort of demands on on our sort of um, finances and, and worries. But 90-day free trial, and you can have a little look and see for yourself if you think it's worth it. Um, and if you do, we just please ask that you do it through theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. So get this in your browser if you fancy having a go. It's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod for a 90-day free trial. So one of the things that you can read uh, during that free trial, or of course, if you're uh, already a loyal subscriber, hello, is Paddy's piece today. It's an absolute belter, and it's about uh, a player who has fast become part of the furniture at Goodison, really. Luca Dean. Um, Pad, we're, we're avowed admirers, aren't we? But a lot of conversations, really, that have happened in the build-up to this piece to make it as informed as it is. For starters, just tell us kind of your thoughts on when he first joined, what you made of him. I think if we go back to the the decision to bring him in, if if you remember that summer, Everton had been linked with Kieran Tierney, then of Celtic, quite quite strongly. Yes, and I'm yeah. I'm I'm also in. I also was in the Kieran Tierney fan camp. I thought he was absolutely brilliant when I saw him at Celtic, and I still think if he stays yeah. injury free at Arsenal, he, he could be a cracking fullback. Um, kind of the archetypal modern fullback. So I think for a while, Luca Dean went under the radar. Certainly, having spoken to his his camp and, and, and had the impression from there, that Everton's interest was something that materialised towards the end of 2017-18. It wasn't wasn't something that was particularly long standing. It, it, it was a it was a conversation between Marcel Brands and and the, and the representatives, and it was almost like, well, would you be interested in at least speaking about this? You're you're obviously. You're not playing games for Barcelona. You're behind Jordi Alba in the main and in the pecking order. So, so would you fancy this? And obviously, Everton did need a new left back. Leighton Baines had had loads of injuries that season. <laughs> it led to Cuca Martina 
filling in at left back for the majority of the campaign. Um, that, that gives me shit. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, somewhat unsuccessfully. So, I mean, B- Baines has obviously been a fantastic servant for Everton, but given that the bar was Cuco Martina, the only way was very much up. If, if we're being blunt about it, Dean comes in, and I think a fee of kind of sixteen to eighteen million there or thereabouts initially. Um, certainly from what I knew about him before, he was he had a great pedigree being a PSG and Roma on loan and then and then Barcelona obviously as well. But he was he was very much kind of your dependable fullback that would would give you kind of seven out of ten every week, maybe not make any major rickets, but he wouldn't necessarily be the one to belt the ball into the into the top corner of the goal from 25, 30 yards. That was the perception and how wrong I actually was. Um, because obviously in his first in his first year he's 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 player of the year and I think deservedly so. Um, some really good performances that year from players in blue, despite the kind of the up and down fortunes of Silverside and Richarlison was great. Gilfie Sigurdsson actually had a really good season numbers wise. Uh, I think Adrisagay obviously maintained his ridiculously high standards for a defensive midfielder and obviously earned the, the move to PSG at the end of it. But Dean, deservedly so for me, was was Everton's player of the season. I don't think anybody could really have disputed it. Um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you look at it now and I think if we were to poll 100 Evertonians as to Everton's player of the season 2019-20, I don't think many people would say Luca Dean. Um, you get you get Richarlison, you get Dominic Calvert-Lewin, as we discussed later. You might even get people like Mason Holgate, Yerry Mina coming to the fore. Dean wouldn't get quite the praise. And I think certainly when I was writing this, I was conscious of the fact that quite a lot of people have been, have been saying to me, well, what's happened with Luca Dean? Has he, has he dropped off here? I think he has. The eye test shows that he's he's not been as influential. Um, so, th- so that was kind of at the forefront of my mind when I was writing this piece. Um, and I think the numbers tend to show that in the main, I mean, some, some of the numbers drop compared to last season. Some of them are higher, like he's made more assists. For example, in in twenty nineteen twenty, uh, and that's that's already the case. Even though the season effectively was was, was postponed, suspended in in March, um, other numbers are, are are slightly lower, which we we can of course get onto in in, in a bit. Um, but he's he's had a good he's had another good campaign. I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that objectively, looking at the numbers, he's had another good campaign. And my my belief is that he's he's very very important still to the way Everton play, um, given the amount of crosses Everton make um, given the aerial ability of Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison he's he's almost essential to the way Everton play at this moment in time um, and it's, it's still a key component um, the task as I kind of allude to at the end of the piece the task is getting the most out of him now and also matching his ambition because I think at 26 he's having played for top clubs in the Champions League he will want to reach those places again and it's whether Everton are able to to kind of keep pace with those ambitions. I mean, we've seen it before, haven't we? We've seen it with Ross Barkley. We've seen it with Romney Lukaku. Even going further back, I remember just being really angry when <laughs> Nick Barnby left at, uh, Goodison for um, for Liverpool all those years ago. Um, it's 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 John Stones, Julian Lescott, Jack Rodwell. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's a familiar trope with Everton. So I think that's the the thing we need to watch out for over the next few years. Can Everton make that jump back into Europe, back into kind of top four or six? 
and give themselves a chance of holding on to players like this. But I think he's he's an interesting subject, and I, I'm I'm fascinated by the different viewpoints. I mean, people have, have like I say, people have been saying to me that he's he's dropped off a level this season. What 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 have you made personally um, of of his kind of 2019-20 campaign? I think it's a fair point to say he's off the the standards of his first season. No one could have predicted, apart from obviously Marcel Brands and Marco Silva, that he would hit the ground running quite as perfectly as he did. You know, he hadn't been playing a lot of football at, at Barcelona and um, he certainly had more of an impact than, say, a Yerry Mina, uh, similar, similar type of buy. Uh, I wish you compare him to that lightning start in terms of a campaign. It's been, it's been not as good. Absolutely unequivocally, yeah, he's been off it. But I think... In the, in the sort of season that we've had so far, it's been such a fractured and difficult season. So much change. It's going to affect, it's affect um, most players. Uh, now, obviously, you know, later on, in, 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 we'll, we'll talk about, you know, our nominations. Um, spoiler fans will have already noticed that the pad, you know, kind of, as he, <laughs> as he always does when me and him discuss box sets, kind of like, liberally and, and recklessly just drops bombs Spoilers. all the time. So, yeah, but ne- <laughs> never mind. <laughs> no, I think he's been off it. Um, i tell you one thing that he does carry, fullbacks everything carry the burden of so much of our attacking play. And I yeah. think um, that probably goes back to kind of the sort of evolution of, uh, of Moyes' progressive play towards the end of his tenure, Baines and Coleman, uh, then obviously Martinez and so on and so forth. Sometimes I'd like to see us um, have a midfield, and you know I think we're starting to get there with Andrew Gomez. I think we probably, as me and you've said, often another to offer to offer us another way of attacking teams rather than overlapping for fullbacks and trying to overload and work two on ones and play down the flanks. So I'd love us to be a bit more, a bit more kind of flexible than that, and have different ways of unlocking defenses, and um, so that frustrates me. And, and it is a lot on their shoulders and really on his shoulders because Coleman, um, I think there's a recognition as, as fantastic as he's been uh, and he's had his moments this season. He's been on, on a decline of sorts. Certainly his, his, his assist and his crossing quality has dwindled a little bit. So it's a lot of onus on, on Dean. Last season he stepped up to the plate. Not so much this, although... I was kind of really kind of uh, took note of the stats that you that you unearthed in the piece that, as you say, put him right in the mix of of one of our most productive players. So it's a nuanced one. Um, in terms of keeping him, like you say, yeah, it's going to be really important that we progress to keep him. But then, you know, he's got to progress too. If Colin Shot is going to have the overall galvanised effect that he seems to have promised and bring in his own players, then he's got to stay on board too. Everton's changed from it's just like, Let's keep all of our best players and hope that we can match up. There's got to be a little bit of a compromise as well. He, his form's mm. got to improve. But um, I feel confident that his form will improve. You know, I don't think, I think it's probably the real Luca Dean is the first season rather than the up and down one we've seen this season. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's one area of the pitch where we hopefully we've got a little bit of solidity for, for, for many seasons to come. The, the task for Everton, and, and I know I've mentioned this to people in the comments on the article, I think the task for Everton is to find the equivalent on the right side of the fence. You, you've, yes. you've mentioned there, Seamus Coleman, he's, he's getting on in years. How long has he got left at the top level? Um, I th- I, that's obviously up for debate in itself. And then you've got Jibril Sadibi, who's only on loan, has, has had a mixed spell on loan, um, if we could call it that. 
And then there's also John Joe Kenny as well, who who's, who's done well at Schalke. Schalke, I've, I've said this week, haven't they, that they would ideally like to keep him on loan, but don't think mm. they'd be able to to afford him on on a permanent deal. And he also comes into the mix as well. Again, we, we talk about question marks with with Seamus and, and Jabril Sadibi. There's a question mark whether John Joe Kenny will come back and be a top six Premier League right back two, potentially a top four one. So I think the challenge for Everton is to find purchases of the equivalent of Luca Dean and going further back, people like Adrissa Gay, those guys that go on, Richarlison even, those guys that go on and look like kind of top level players for, for certain periods in time. I mean, it's interesting. We, we talk about creativity in Everton's ranks. They've kind of chopped and changed with Bernard and Awobi throughout the season on the left-hand side. Now Gilfie Sigurdsson's being thrown into the mix as well. I think the knock-on effect of that for Luca Dean is that there's less there's, there's less connection with, with whoever plays in front of him. He's got less of an understanding. And certainly I think we've seen he's slightly, he's slightly less penetrative in his runs. We, if you look at heat maps, he, he crosses the ball from slightly deeper, kind of thus slightly limiting the, the influence of the crosses and, and how dangerous they might be. So I think we've seen Everton adapt and, and, and change, sometimes not for the better, actually, until Carlo came in. And it's it meant a, a change in role for some of the guys around him there. I, I'm still of the, the belief, quite strong belief, actually, that the best combination in Everton's side last year, last season, in, in 2018-19, was actually Dean and Bernard. thought they struck up, at times, quite a wonderful partnership, um, reminiscent, in, admittedly, in very early stages of um, Baines and Pina with some of the kind of the move, the movements between the two players, the, the combination, the interplay. And I think he's the one that complements Dean best, Bernard. Um, so I think that that's that's key for me. That's key getting Bernard in the team, getting him, getting him playing well. Obviously, there needs to be an option on the right hand side moving forward. Everton need to have a decision to make in in that position when the when football resumes and and the window eventually opens whenever that may be mm. so there, there, there are a number of dilemmas there and um, it, it, all we can say is that if Everton were to sell Luca Dean tomorrow which obviously they wouldn't but if Everton were to sell Luca Dean tomorrow he comes in for 16 to 18 million what does he command now and I think you the, the, the answer is would you would you sell him for 30 million I probably wouldn't um, in in well, certainly not in the in the old market, in in old money terms. So you you would you would expect to make a healthy profit on the player, and you would expect them, if not, to be a mainstay in the team moving forward. So um, maybe, as as you say, fans don't perceive him to have had quite as good a campaign as last season. I think I think maybe the the process needs to be less about the individual and more holistic with regards to the team and. How do we how do we maximise the combination play on the left hand side? How do we get more creativity into that centre? Because I completely agree with you. There needs to be more creativity in in other areas of the pitch. How do we get more goals across the whole the whole team? Because really, you look at it, it's only Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin that are scoring at any kind of rate. All these issues are barriers to um, development and growth and moving up the table. So. They'll all be on Carlo's wish list. They'll all be things that he'll be looking at when football returns and the window opens again. Um, so it'll be. I think. I think we're in for a fascinating period, really. Yeah. Just one last word on on Dean before we move on. Um, put you on the spot a little bit. Your favourite Dean moment so far? 
I can go first if you need a second to think. <laughs> can you go first, please? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll sidestep the obvious. And I, I want to talk about that free kick against Lincoln. I know it wasn't the, okay. the most important fixture in the world, but what a strike that was. Reminiscent of Baines at his best. And for me, that's when it, it was just the way he slotted so seamlessly into the Baines mould. It just amazed me, really. Like, you couldn't have found a better replacement. Now, albeit, you know, he's got a lot to prove in terms of longevity and consistency to match Baines. But certainly in, in the short to midterm, you know, the, the set piece prowess, all that is engine that's been brilliant. And the fact that you can, you can strike a, a dead ball like that is just fantastic. I can think of one of the, one of the belts of he scored for us. I mean, many. Does, does that figure in yours, your favourite moments, or is it something a bit more poetic? Actually, when when you first raised this, I was thinking of of that free kick at Tinsel Bank against Lincoln because as I was there and it was a dreadful evening. At that point, Lincoln had taken an early <laughs> lead, and you, you did kind of worry <laughs> for what was going to happen to Everton, yeah, given, yeah. Yeah. given the start Lincoln had made and a lovely vantage point to see it go in. Um, it was a fantastic free kick, probably probably his best goal technically in an Everton shirt. And like you say, slightly reminiscent of Baines. I think it, it's difficult because all the goals have been spectacular. He's, he scored four in 2018-19 and has only scored one across all competitions this season and, and none in the Premier League, as, as I point out in the article. I think that's part of the reason why people are saying they're slightly less impressed with, with Dean this season because we, we think back to moments, don't we? When you when you conjure an image in your head of a player, often it's, oh, he did this and he did that and he did he did whatever else. We don't have as many of those memorable moments for, for Luca Dean this season. But I think my my favourite moment, and it's not just because of the, the goal itself, but it's just the the feeling around the club at the time, was the 4-0, was it 4-0 against Manchester United, where he the, the ball comes out to him on the edge of the box on the half volley and he absolutely leathers it into the, for want of a better word, into the bottom of the uh, the Gladys Street net, uh, past David De Gea in an instant. The, I just remember coming away that day, Everton had comprehensively outplayed Manchester United and we're on a real good run of form under Marco Silva. And the team looked to be onto something. Famous last words, of course, because... They weren't onto something. Um, think, things things changed over the summer. Losing Zuma, losing losing Gay, and, and everything else. Um, but the balance seemed right on that side, and they were kind of they were going toe to toe with sides at Goodison, good sides, conventional top six sides, and just playing them off the park. They played Arsenal off the park, only won one nil, but it should have been more. Absolutely, should have been more. It could have been the same score as as the Manchester United game. Beat Chelsea, obviously. Um, drew with Liverpool in a game that effectively lost Liverpool the title. Um, so there was a huge improvement towards the back end of that campaign and that Dean goal, for me, is wrapped up in the euphoria of, of that spell. I felt like Everton were kind of pushing forward and destined for kind of good things, a, a real assault on the top six. Um, again, how wrong I was. Um, but um, there's some there's some great moments, just, just fewer of them this season with him, I think. Well, this Sunday, The Athletic will be hosting a Premier League awards night. Our writers and podcast hosts have voted across a number of categories. And from seven o'clock, we'll be announcing the winners. Before then, make sure you've listened to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast every day this week, where we've been announcing the shortlist for each category. We started on Tuesday with Young Player of the Year, Underrated Player on Wednesday, and on Thursday, our Team of the Year. 
On Friday, you'll be able to hear the shortlist for the main awards, the men's and women's player of the season. So that's a new show every day this week, only on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And to find out the winners on Sunday night, make sure you subscribe and download the Athletic app. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to take advantage of our 90-day free trial. Well, Pad, before we sign off for this episode, keen listeners will have noticed that we've already uh, we've dropped a few very unsubtle hints who, who's got the Everton <laughs> nominations. Um, young player, Pad, you wrote a piece about this? Yep, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, I also put a poll out about this as well. And I was looking for validation. I was looking for people to agree with my pick, <laughs> our pick in in this case. And uh, people did on the whole. People people also thought it should go to Dominic Calvert Lewin. I actually think it's it's very very close. And we're splitting hairs really between Richarlison, Holgate, and Dominic. They're all between the ages of twenty two and twenty three. So obviously qualifying them for nominally what would be a PFA. Young Player of the Year award, which is which is how we've done it at the Athletic. Richarlison's the youngest, which is which is incredible, really. I think people think he's kind of at times people outside Merseyside think he's four or five years older. I should say, yeah, um, yeah. But I think it was only right to give recognition to two separate players, given how well they've all performed. Mason Holgate being the unlucky one um, in this instance, and and with Calvert Lewin, I just think it, he's made such obvious strides. He was a guy that we all. Or certainly some people, um, maybe not myself, thought wasn't ever going to score goals for Everton. I, I I know people, and I won't, won't name name them. Not we're calling them a championship striker. Uh, not too long ago, um, and the extent of his improvement's been really stark. He's he's refined his game. He's worked hard on his game, and the goals have, have started to come. And I think he's always been a dangerous player for the opposition. He's always been a player that you wouldn't want to face as a defender because he's tireless with his running he's quick he's strong he can almost do a bit of everything he can take the ball on the chest but he can spin in behind and I think that's always a difficulty for a defender Um, very early on people have watched Everton for a lot longer than I have we're talking about him um, being slightly reminiscent to Graham Sharp because of that dual aspect to his game um, and I think the last piece of the puzzle was always the goals. He's he's worked very hard on that, and he's he started to score them. I mean, fifteen by um, the suspension of the Premier League in in March tells its own tale. Um, a very very good record for a striker. He'd have probably gone on to to get over twenty in the end if the if the season had continued apace. Um, and I think he's thoroughly deserving of of recognition. Not just I should say. <laughs> when it comes to the Everton Young Player of the Year, but I think he should be right up there actually when people have conversations for um, the main award too, such as being his progress and, and the impact he's made. I mean, I think he was almost a shoe in for that England squad um, in March before the games were postponed. He'd made such an impression and, and England were obviously following him. Signed the new deal. So I think that's a real bright point from a season that hasn't always, let's be honest, hasn't always been a great campaign for Everton. Um, it's been up and it's been down. At times it's been very down. But his improvement bodes, bodes particularly well, I think, for the future. And uh, kind of, I've been delighted to watch him grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to share your uh, dismay. What's happening, lads? They, somehow he's not <laughs> in the nomination for young player. Um, we, we'll be having words with our colleagues down in, in London about that. <laughs> Shocking admission. Um, Richarlison, I hope that he is not omitted. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure if he'll make the list, but I think there's a very good shout that he should. And certainly he was our Everton 
player of the season. Um, so so far, I should add. Richardson's been absolutely amazing. Uh, like Patty says, you know, he could easily have won both categories, but it's fitting that, you know, that this two up top, this fl- this throwback uh, as kind of post Duncan Ferguson slash Ancelotti's become um, become our motif in the Premier League. It's fitting that we've got one of each in, in the categories. I've done a piece about Richardson on um, yesterday, so we're recording this on Thursday, it was Wednesday. Just uh, spoke to a lot of Blues about, I suppose, a bit of an oral history of his what they first thought of him and what they've what they've kind of felt as he's grown into the Everton uh, number nine shirt. I know he's not number nine, but you know he's grown into become the the, the main man in our attack. You know, Dom Cavalier might dispute that, but um, certainly he's become an iconic figure. Just some really interesting kind of points of view from people like Dave Whiteley at the County Road Bobblers, um, a, a, a guy who's a very articulate blue from the Park End, Dan O'Connor, and various other fans, Sarah Halpin from the Blue Room, just giving different takes on why they love Richarlison. I think he is a player who Evertonians in, in an era when you know there's been some players being quite divisive, others just uh, you know p- people can't get up for in terms of like really getting that passion to. To 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 really love players, um, but Charleston seems to just kind of ride above that, and he's one who's kind of gets people off their seats. He's been the difference often in games, and um, I think you know the link with Barcelona, whether that's uh, a bit erroneous as, as we kind of believe it was, uh, it does suggest uh, that he's a player who's on radars across Europe, and rightly so because his levels have just uh, have risen this season, and he was already a very good player. He's, yeah. He responded fantastically to losing Marco Silva in the sense that, you know, he could have gone back into his shell at 22. He didn't. He's flourished uh, even further under Ancelotti. And he's just a pleasure to watch. Do, do you think, by the way, I mean, maybe I'm doing Leighton Baines a disservice here because obviously Leighton Baines is still very, very popular with the Everton fan base. But do you think, by the way, that he is Richarlison, is Everton's, the like Goodison's most loved player at this moment in time? Because That's I, I just good, think. It's a good question. I just, I, I just think like yeah. Everton fans have like really taken him to their hearts, and I think it's that combination of, I think somebody just, to the piece somebody described it to you as that kind of warrior spirit that he's got, that ability to just chase everything down, out of possession, but also have that kind of sprinkle of stardust when it comes to getting into the final third, scoring goals, creating chances. I mean. He seems to have, have kind of really taken to Everton fans as well. And I've really enjoyed watching the videos of him on um, on Twitter or on Instagram kind of singing away to his own song. <laughs> um, it really, really quite funny. Um, he, he must, uh, it, it seems like he loves the song. Um, and obviously Everton fans are, um, are, are thoroughly on board with his displays too. Um, so he, I think if you kind of ask them, who, who do you, really like at this moment in time you get the obvious answers you get Leighton Baines you get Seamus Coleman but I think of all the newer players Richarlison's been the one that's made that kind of big impact um, on the pitch but also kind of in the terraces with with the way fans have taken to him it's, and that's I, I guess that's why speaking to loads of fans about why he's so important and what he means is 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 kind of an interesting way to go with it because he's he's kind of the people's. This sounds really cliched, and I apologise in advance, but he's almost become like a people's champion if that makes sense. Um, 
in in the way he goes about things, and he obviously gives back to his foundation in in Brazil at every opportunity. Um, fights for the shirt, um, loves representing Everton, and is always given a, is always signing autographs when I go past him uh, before games and after games. He's always giving his shirt away at the end of the game to to kind of young supporters. Um, so I just think his impact across the whole club has been really substantial. And we talk about top quality players, and we talk about people like Luca Dean. I mean, when people laugh at Richarlison supposedly attracting interest from Barcelona, I don't really get that at all because I think for him, if he leaves Everton, he won't be going to like a a Roma or a Napoli at this rate. He'd be going to like a a top, top club. He'd be going to a club of the stature of a Barcelona if he continues. And he's, um, for, for someone so young, for somebody only 22, he's, he's kind of high up in the pecking order with Brazil He's scoring goals, he's great off the ball, really versatile across the front three or four. I think you could play him as a as a striker, as a left winger, as a right winger. I think you could play him almost behind an, another main striker as, as obviously Everton have at times with Calvert-Lewin. All those things kind of really go in his favour and I, th- I think he's a tremendous player but he's also a tremendous prospect too. It's, it's probably still room, room to grow and, and that's the... That's the exciting thing about this. When we speak about players, we speak about Holgate, Calvert-Lewin, um, Richarlison. They're all still so young that you have to think that if Everton kind of can kind of keep that group together and and find players to fit in around them, then they are onto a winner. Onto a massive winner with him, kind of. I think someone someone mentioned in the piece, Marco Silva kind of left us with a lot of uh, a lot of sour memories in the end. Some good ones too on the pitch, but. Certainly his legacy, if it's bringing Richarlison to Goodison Park, that's always going to be in his credit. Well, of course, one Everton player that is in the running for an award on Sunday night is Chloe Kelly. Um, She's absolutely lit up the uh, WSL this season in a blue shirt, really made an impact. And Pad, um, you know, she's rightly going to be there and thereabouts, isn't she? Yeah, I, I think so. You, you look at the the women's super league so far this season, and obviously Everton are, Everton have picked up under Willie Kirk and are doing very well in the table. That it's been a season of progression for the club. They've moved into a new um, stadium of their own in their own right in in Walton Hall Park, which we've written about previously. And Kelly herself has kind of mirrored that progression on the pitch as well. She's stayed clear of injury, which I think has been really important for her last. The year before, well, last year she she picked up a nasty injury in the second half of the campaign, and ended up missing um, large swathes of of the season. She stayed injury free more or less this time around. Come back fit and firing, and is, is scoring goals, and is is back in the England squad. So when we look at kind of players that get bums off seats, I think certainly in in for the for Everton women, Chloe Kelly definitely springs to mind. She's she's been exceptional. She she handles herself really well. Um, off the pitch too, in, in kind of media roles with the club, we've spoken to her before, and she's she's been really, she's been good to deal with. She's she's given us kind of plenty of time to talk through kind of interesting points in her career. Again, she should be right in the mix to win it, in my opinion, given how well she's done. Um, getting back into the England squad, scoring into double figures with Everton already, um, and definitely want to keep an eye out before if, you, if you've not been down to Walton Hall Park when it does eventually open again and supporters are allowed in, go and check them out because the, the Chloe Chloe Kelly's great, but they play some nice football as well, and um, I'm, it, I'm delighted that there's, there's recognition for for that 
side of the club um, because the, the, the approach is totally integrated. You've got, um, unlike at some clubs where they train kind of on separate pitches or in separate locations in some cases, Everton's approach is quite seamless and they, they, they share the same sorts of facilities at Finch Farm. They're given the same kind of provision. Um, and I think that's starting to pay dividends. Everton, as a as a club, Everton women are, are on the rise. Um, and that's evidenced by, by how well Chloe Kelly's doing individually. So, so best of luck to her on Sunday. Thank you very much, as ever, for listening. Um, don't forget to check it out. It's the Athletic UK Premier League Awards night. And um, you can subscribe to Athletic, as ever, at theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. See you next week.